I'm Joyce Hornady. You might say accuracy is my business. I make bullets. You are listening to the Hornady Podcast. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Hornady Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Swerzik. Thanks for tuning in this week. Beside me to my right, veteran of the show, co-host, Preston Lentford, marketeer. Thanks for coming on, Preston. You're, you're welcome. I don't know if I'm a co-host, but I've been on a few times. It's, it feels like a co-host. <laughs> and also, I'm going to say co-guide, if you will, for what we're talking about in this upcoming oh, podcast. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Across the table from us, two guys we've gotten to know pretty well here over the last week or so. Directly in front of me, Thomas Nissen, a freelance outdoor writer. And then beside him, Jens Kjar Knutsen. Yes. Uh, he is a outdoor shooting personality and uh, journalist. Um, you guys obviously very popular in Europe and in UK, and you've done some breathtaking and, and quite amazing hunting adventures, which is just awesome to see. I know Jens, uh, leading up to this hunt uh, that we did with them, had sent several articles over, and you want to tell me what? Uh, whoa. Backdrop's beautiful. So with mm-hmm. that, guys, thanks for, for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for coming all the way from Denmark. <laughs> uh, just a pleasure. It's just a pleasure. I'm yeah. sure your travels were nothing but a pleasure. Yeah. How long we did it take? How many that. hours? Uh, it took 30 hours and, Ooh, a, yeah. and a lot of struggles with luggage and, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. So you guys yeah. still don't have your luggage. Not yet, no. We'll <laughs> no, get it tomorrow, tomorrow yeah. when After we go home. <laughs> nearly a week, no luggage. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. to set the stage for this podcast, um, you guys obviously do a bunch of outdoor writing and you're on YouTube with The Shooting Show, and you're on MOTV, um, so you've got a TV show there. Well, Hornady has a small lease that is whitetail hunting in southwestern Nebraska, and we use that lease to help create content, so outdoor writers and TV shows and such, we can have them out and just have a good time in Nebraska hunting whitetail. It's just, it's just an amazing time. So had you guys out here to do that, so you flew 30 hours from Denmark, it's opening morning supposed to be single digit temperatures and your luggage doesn't show up. So we're <laughs> off to a good start right out of the gate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess we should preface that. Your flight was delayed from Minneapolis to Omaha. You missed out on an evening hunt, which wasn't the end of the world, but... Uh, well, it wasn't supposed to take 30 hours, right? No. Nope. should have been less than that. Yeah. Six hours delayed, I was our flight. Was okay. Yeah. yeah. But still a full day of travel. Yeah, full day of travel. So coming up into that with events like that happening, how did that make you guys feel? Uneasy, uncertain, or you guys have are obviously well traveled, or is it you just kind of roll with it? Uh, we kind of roll with it. You cannot do anything when it happens. So why get worked just, up? And you know, as soon as you get out of the airport, you sit in the truck, you meet some all over the world. You meet nice guys and friendly people sit in the truck, you're on the way to the next adventure, mm-hmm. then you don't mind, you don't even think about the trip. Awesome. No, yeah. so if yeah. it goes, if the flight is easy, you don't think about it. If it's hard, you don't think about yeah. it. You are just on the way to new adventures. That's a good way there. to put it. Yeah. That's good perspective. That's a good mindset. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and we knew that we had a Cabela's on the way to the hunting area, so we could uh, supply ourselves with the clothing for the for the cold weather mm-hmm. sure yeah. because uh, you told us to bring warm clothing mm-hmm. and um, it yeah. stayed in the airport or <laughs> somewhere in the in in the air so yeah, who uh, knows where it actually yeah. came from yeah well but yeah that, you guys 
I don't know if you want to talk about it, but your insurance, uh, travel insurance came in clutch to get you some warm clothing. Yeah, we have good insurance, so. Yeah. It's worth yeah. it to have good insurance on trips like this where you need it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know. The, if, the Cabela's in La Vista is a, is a relatively new Cabela's, and they were, it's a big store. Big store. Anything you could possibly want is probably in there. Yeah. And unfortunately, the weather wasn't going to be 50 degrees where you need a light jacket, you know, and you'd be fine. It no. was. You needed base layers and mid layers and insulation layers and shells. And well, I think one of the mornings was four, four, five, four or five degrees. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Well, that's without the wind chill. So, yeah, yeah. below zero for sure. Yeah. So, it, and I, I didn't buy, we, on the insurance, we can buy necessary stuff. So I thought, okay, my boots will come tomorrow because we were promised the luggage would come next day. And then the first night was in the, yeah. in the in the stand with with only sneakers on and small socks. <laughs> so, yeah. well, well, luckily we got that sorted out. We, yeah, there was a collective. Uh, you guys bought some clothing. You know, obviously we had some clothing here, and yeah, uh, it paid off because uh, yeah, it was cold, but there was some 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 good hunting going on. Yes. Yeah, luckily a few of the blinds are totally enclosed with heaters. Yeah, some of them are open air. Uh, so we, we made decisions accordingly. Yeah. Well, the mornings, it was hard to go away from a heater, especially yeah. when you didn't have all the clothing yeah. that you wanted. And so to paint the picture for the listener, this yes. property is right on the Republican River. And as far as hunting deer goes, that is that is one of the meccas, you know, mm-hmm. and that Republican River goes down into Kansas. And I've killed deer on the Republican in Kansas, and it's just a... A wonderful river system that that is home to a bunch of great wildlife, but deer specifically. So yeah. we don't have a ton of land down there that we that we operate in. Uh, just a little over eight hundred acres. But I'll tell you what, that's enough when uh, when the rut is on, the deer are just running crazy. So uh, we take for granted Preston and I hunting whitetail deer because we grew up doing it, and when from the moment we were ten or eleven years old, we were hunting deer. So. Coming all the way from Denmark, what was your deer hunting experience beforehand? And what did you expect coming into the hunt versus your actual experience once it happened? Yeah, but the first thing I I expected was uh, that we would sit with small fields uh, in in a forest area, bush area. I tried that in Alabama. So, okay. But this is much more open area. And then you can see... Um, so this, this forest area along the river is quite open, so you can see you see I, and i saw much more game that i was and deer that i was thinking about seeing and then mm-hmm. it was very nice we saw you when we were out we saw deer moving all the time nearly it is it's a little bit uh, different from from we hunt a lot of roe deer in europe and and they go out and eat at the some normally some the same place and then they go in again in the thick bush and go out and eat for every three hours and these are, it's like uh, the deer here, they just move all the time. Mm-hmm. They walk, walk, eat, walk, eat, walk, eat, walk. And so, uh, so that was, uh, that was a nice experience and, and nice to see Turkey and, and, uh, and uh, the bird life uh, at the river was very, very, very nice. Yeah. yeah you yeah, hear so the bald can- eagles too. Yeah, bald mm-hmm. eagles. You hear the Canadian geese traveling around and, yeah. And the, and for me also, that it was so, the farmland is very, the color is yellow, I think, in yeah. Nebraska. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this also, time of year it is. Yeah, I have thought also more green fields. and, and In then, August, things are green. The fields are green. But yeah, not now. It seems kind of barren after our, our main crops are gone. Yeah. Yeah. 
So Thomas, this was your first deer hunt as a whole. Now, Jens, you said you'd hunted yeah. deer in Alabama prior. Yeah. So uh, did this align with what you thought it would be or were you similar in thinking to Jens? Yeah, it's a similar as Jens. I thought we would be sitting in a, I th- thought actually I would sit in a, in a kind of high, like a stool or mm-hmm. just outside, not in a blind or in a high seat like that. We were in, in the tower. So I thought we would sit in a kind of a stool or a ladder mm-hmm. and then have a field in front of me and dense forest around and then the white tails will come out and they will start to eat and I could turn on my video and I mm-hmm. could shoot it when I was ready. <laughs> <laughs> but they were just on the move all the yeah. time. So yeah. well, it was much, much different then. We're kind of on the backside of the rut when we guys were hunting. So yeah. deer are constantly moving. Does are moving away from bucks. Bucks are looking for the does. Um, so yeah, they are constantly on the move. And yeah, the southeast heavy wooded areas and sometimes they'll just clear out a spot and they'll throw in a food plot and you sit on the edge of it and you hope deer come by and then yeah. eat but right yeah. now their main concern was not really eating it was no breeding. no you could see. yeah was, yeah it is an it's a unique time to be in the woods because yeah obviously the bucks are cruising but you're looking for the bucks but what you're not necessarily looking for is the does and i'll tell you what the does are everywhere so they'll bed down for a little bit and then they're back up on their feet. And from the moment we dropped you guys off at a stand, if you could see, it is realistic that you could see deer up until it was dark yeah. and you couldn't see, or we come to get you out of the stand. Yeah. Uh, so that's just a nice time to be in the woods. And like you guys had mentioned, the turkey, the bald eagles, the geese, mm-hmm. the other, you know, the there's pheasants down there and quail. And uh, yeah. it's just a, just an awesome place. So, uh, the town that we were closest to is about 400 people. Very, very small town. Very typical small town in Nebraska. And, the, you know, there's one motel in town, and it's kind of an old school, single-story motel. It's been recently renovated, so it's, you know, fine for, for what it is. But the town of 400 people, and then the town next to that is less than 200, and there's a little cafe. And tell us a little bit, not necessarily about the hunt, but about your experience in rural Nebraska, um, because it doesn't get more stereotypical Nebraska than where we were. You have primarily agriculture. That's generally what everybody's involved in. Uh, and then the towns are really small and relatively spread out. So from a experience standpoint, coming from Denmark, what was that like for you guys? It, for me, it was just like I, th- I think American is, uh, and it's, it's nearly like to see in a film. Mm-hmm. Um, for us to see in Europe and in Denmark, and and it was very very um, a, a, a nice experience to see how the, that little community meet in the restaurants and full of happy people and speaking to each other and give her all give each other a hook and they know each other and mm-hmm. it was like a little world that little city mm-hmm. there and um, looks like they take care of each other and and so on so that was. Uh, yeah, it's very very nice to see. We and don't have that kind of. Um, we are too many people in 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 where I live. So yeah. it was very unpersonal. This oh, is okay. really and everybody are, knows everybody. Yeah, in the they small do. Towns. Yeah, and they you do. come there and big trucks up in front of the motel, just like you see them in Hollywood movies. And yeah, you know, then you, the big then you, lifted trucks yeah, with the big tires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you have big big trucks coming with cargo through, oh. looking different than they do in Europe. And you have the big trains midwestern trains mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. train 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 coming and you can hear them also in the night the trains coming and we had this 
the Trump store in the city, it was also not fun yeah. to see. Yeah, yeah. in this town, like there's that. still a, a standing Trump yeah. store that has, you know, and we joked about this on the way, but there was a, a center pivot with a big flagpole on it that has a, uh, uh, certain political a sayings on there. In support of Trump. Yeah, a flag in support of Trump yeah. on there, yeah. and that's pretty common in this neck of the woods, not to make this political at all, but there's a store dedicated to selling stuff like this yeah. on the main street of this yeah. little town. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I've never seen that before. So that was new, new for me. The store, the store. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I've never noticed it. It's probably been there, but I try not to do this on any podcast. But on occasion, I get distracted by food. You know, think back in our antelope podcast. That was pizza professionally seasoned by seasoned professionals. It was of the course. best Hawaiian pizza I've ever had. Well. uh Breakfast was pretty modest. In the mornings, these guys would wake up at 5 a.m. and I had some uh, sausage, egg, and cheese croissants that I'd warm up in the microwave and I'd have coffee going and honey buns laid out. And uh, so breakfast was pretty modest. And lunch, depending on how the hunting was going, may have just been snack food. But we'd always go to the same little town cafe that serves, well, it's the only restaurant in town, so <laughs> you're kind of limited. Uh, and I'd ask these guys on Saturday morning if they'd ever had a prime rib. And I tried to explain it well, yes. uh, but they had not had a prime rib dinner. And they're served differently kind of throughout the country with different spices and different seasonings, but generally it's the same. So to be tangential to the hunting podcast, how was your first prime rib experience? A soft, soft experience. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, tender? It was tender meat, and but it was also different. I thought it would be, you had explained what it was. Mm -hmm. Maybe my English is not good enough. Maybe I'm not clever enough, but I had thought it was some kind of spare ribs. Yeah, sure. well, it's got yeah. rib but, in the name. Yeah. But yeah. then there came what I would say is like a very tender kind of steak. Yeah. Oy. yeah. I think it was yeah. good. Yeah, it was. Really good. We we, 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 we don't have play. We don't eat so much big portion of meat mm. in, in where we come from. But when when I travel around, you see in, in the world, it's in some places you eat big portion of of uh, meat, where, especially places where you especially produce the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, where you yeah. produce, where you have cattle for meat. We only have near milk cattle in, oh, in yeah. Denmark, so so. Yeah, so it's that's nice, and it tastes also much better here. Really, okay. yeah. yeah, that is good. And the reason, one of the reasons I bring that up is you guys have obviously traveled all mm. over the world in the in your pursuits, and so you've eaten food, and you've had these dining and cultural experiences all over the world, and you know. Being here in small town Nebraska, small town Nebraska is virtually identical to small town every other state in mm. the Great Plains and the Midwest and gosh, even some of the southern portions of Canada and everything. It's very, very similar and it's a cultural experience that again, we gloss over because mm. it's just how we were raised. It's just how it is and I don't know, a, a big prime rib dinner and you got an 18 ounce prime rib and the au jus and you just want to drink it like it's salty water and yeah. taking me back to my youth and i'd have a queen size prime rib from betty's cafe every saturday almost yeah. darn near but yeah. yeah it was great yeah well and, and that's a, a unique cafe because the the owner of the cafe also raises the beef and then mm -hmm. he's able to yeah. serve that so that's that's pretty cool and again tangential to the hunting but yeah, still a but neat experience we were hunting yeah. this is a hunting podcast so let's focus on the hunting <laughs> yeah. so you guys we got through the luggage. You don't have any. We, we, you guys get some stuff bought at Cabela's. Uh, we had some extra clothing items, uh, you know, puffy layers and stuff. Uh, 
So you get out there for your first, you get to hunt the evening and uh, walk us through the first evening and then how that changed maybe your thought process going into that next full day of hunting. Especially the the cold. Uh, how, mm-hmm. how, that was um, the first experience. I, f- I felt that um, I need more clothes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On, for the morning because it was it was warmer at night, mm-hmm. but still cold. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, first couple of days was high of and, in the thirties. And, and if you freeze when you sit hunting, you 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 lose concentration. Uh, I do. Mm-hmm. So sure. I need to be comfort with my temperature. Mm. I'm not so good when it's very cold and I'm freezing. And and if I'm going to shoot, it I don't like to shoot when I'm shaking a little yeah, bit sure. of the cold. So and you uh, want to be so able I, to feel your finger too. Yeah. You know? Nah, it was. Uh, but of course, all the excitement to be a new place warmed me up. Um, so, uh, but I knew I, I had to have during the, the night, we had to find some clothing and, and <laughs> yeah. we did. Yeah. And we did. So. so, so seeing the game you hunted, I think the CRP field or was it Redgate? CRP and Redgate. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. sitting in areas. So Jens, you were sitting in the CRP field, which is CRP. So you can see hundreds of yards and that's yep. surrounded by some ag fields, but also some pretty dense timber. So. Uh, seen a lot of deer movement that first night. Oh yeah, yeah. I will. I saw well fifteen females and three, four different uh, young bucks. Okay. And um, all of them were moving. They were in that area. There was still um, some rotting. Oh, uh, that's so fun to watch. Uh, yeah. And uh, one buck came, and female came running next to my high seat, and uh, and the female had the had the tongue out of the yeah. mouth because she running so run. much, panting. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And um, so I had um, something to look at all the time. There was deer out all the time. So that's, that's a good evening. Yeah, that's a very good evening. <laughs> Thomas, yeah. you were sitting in a stand now a little bit more compact. Uh, there was a good stand of trees pretty much all the way around you. Um, what was your first evening like? My first evening when I went to the stand, the first thing I saw was a white seal in the in the, distance. In the green bushes there. So I was already alert when, mm-hmm. when I came up. And if there was females, there would also might be a buck. Mm-hmm. So I was ready. So I didn't think much about the cold also because I had the heater and yeah. know, the heater on. And I and your tennis shoes. Some, <laughs> I only have tennis shoes on, but I'm quite good at handling with, yeah. with heat, so, you know, with the cold. So that was not a problem. But And I was very, very alert to see if a buck would come. Or, and you or did it see was a, a buck the first night, I right? I didn't... Mm, as I recall, I only saw a small buck the first small night. Small buck, yeah. yeah. Many and females. And then I saw though. some females. I have the turkeys coming right by, a lot of turkeys. Yeah. And that's quite fun. We don't have them in Europe, so uh, that's a very amazing. interesting bird to see. Amazing. And they were pretty noisy, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I would say after the evening hunt, when we left there, and I knew I was going hunting next morning, I was excited because I thought I will see a buck. Yeah. yeah. So it will, might happen for me that... Well, it's only I a matter one. of time. Yeah. It really is when you're out there, especially on that river system, then there's the river, there's trees, there's ag, and they're going to be crisscrossing all mm. over back and forth in there. So unfortunately, the hunting was a little on the slower side by what I'm going to call the standards of that area. Still seeing plenty of deer, but it did take a couple days um, to get something to, to line up for you. Um, so Thomas, you were the first one to connect on a deer. And from what I recall on the hunt, you were able to spot him the night before and he's kind of, you know, maybe he's big enough, maybe yeah. he's not. And you took some really good photos of him yeah. and then walk us through how that first night went and then what happened that next morning. Uh, yeah. 
I he was there came some females and then suddenly I saw a bug and the I was he had handlers and I thought it was nice handlers but when it's a new species it's really oh sure hard to judge them so I took a picture of the buck because he was close to the to the sea and we had still some days left and I sent the picture on our WhatsApp group asking Sid if it <laughs> is it this big big enough yeah. <laughs> and and I got and he disappeared for me and then I got the message that uh, that he was not well he was quite he was uh, he's in the gray enough, area so, and yeah. certainly so I could wait yeah you could see. wait if you shot him I, yeah. I think the way I put it was if you shoot that deer, I'd be plumb oh, happy yeah. for you. It's um, but if you hunt, you know, more days, there's a good chance you'll see something yeah. probably a little bit bigger. Yeah. And he was gone at that time, so, but it, it but didn't. But then you had all the time to study the photo, too. <laughs> yes. And thought, maybe I messed up. Yeah. When <laughs> I came home, I looked at the pictures and yeah, I, I should have shot him. Well, so how did that go the next day then? Yeah. Next morning. Then I had a bad sleep because I was thinking about it. <laughs> <And> next, <laughs> next morning I came out. I think I saw a female that was very cold out there. It was an open stand. Mm-hmm. I saw one female coming. Not much happened. And suddenly <laughs> that buck, he came to the right. And I thought, okay, I will not, not have, make have, the same not, mistake. No. If I get the chance, I will shoot. And he came out. I was ready. He noticed something. Looked up at me and got him. Bam. 6.5 Creedmoor. Yes. And that's the first deer or first animal you shot with the 6.5 Creedmoor? Yes. And it did the trick. 143 ELDXs. Uh, those, uh, that's a gun that you guys had borrowed just so you didn't have to travel with your firearm. So that gun shot great. A Ruger M77. Yeah. Uh, and he, when not to steal your story, but when we cleaned that thing, he split that hard in half. Yeah. You yeah. couldn't have been a more perfect shot. Yeah. I've seen of a few gut piles in my day and I've not seen a heart that mangled quite honestly. No, yeah, that was, it was, uh, it was impressive. Good, good job. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to, and to interject into that story, one thing that I, I don't know why I've always had an affinity to the stars, but I, we were at his stand in the morning and it was dark out. And I said, that's Orion, the hunter of the constellation. That'll be good luck. Yeah. And rolled out. And uh-huh. sure enough, it wasn't very long after the sun came up that, Orion the hunter faded in the sky and the deer presented yeah. himself. And, and that, that morning it was really cold. It cold. was, it was four, Un- four degrees. Until that bullet, bullet had split that heart. Yeah. Then everything was warm. Everything <laughs> was fine for a while. So also yeah. what I thought was really nice was, uh, the night prior, he sent that picture and said, what do you think about this deer? And, and, and he was an okay four by four on our, our four point on one side, but his other side had been broken in, yeah. you know, deer fight this time of year. So I said, oh, you know, I think you might see something bigger if you hunt longer, but you know, it's not a bad deer. If, you know, if you're happy, shoot him for sure. Well, then the next morning I got a message in my WhatsApp that said, oh, yeah. same deer, different picture. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. oh, the deer's out there and he's taking photos of it. And I opened it up and it was, <laughs> he's on the ground. he was on the ground. <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> That's uh, that was, that was a good move. Uh, put a smile on my face. I went yeah. from, oh, he's seeing deer this morning to, hey. Hey, dude, now we got to get out there. Uh, that's, that's exciting. And I'm, I'm glad we could be a part of your first whitetailed deer experience. And, uh, they're, they're a magnificent animal. They really are. Um, and certainly it varies wherever you are in the country, but here where we're at, a mature three and a half year old buck can easily weigh 225 to 250 pounds. And people don't necessarily appreciate the sheer size of, of these animals. And, 
you know, obviously they're smaller in the South and they're bigger in Canada and mule deer get, you know, larger bodies, but it is not uncommon to shoot 250 pound white-tailed deer here that are three and a half years old. And uh, they just, yeah. they just look strong and healthy and they're just, they're cool mm. animals. Yeah. So shifting to Jens. So yeah. Jens, you got to see uh, Thomas be successful. So then yeah. he got to film for you. And uh, walk us through how your uh, hunt went where you were successful. Yeah, I was lucky that Thomas shot one before me because then he could, uh, we, I could have his company. It's always a pleasure to have him in my, when I sit in a high seat or when we hunt together. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so we went out to an open, um, open stand and, um, and the weather was uh, the, we think this, this is the night. And we actually... Uh, we're hearing two or three shots far away, so we think, oh, they are moving tonight, the mm-hmm. bucks. And first, a little buck came in and um, that I have seen before, scrubbing it, the, what you say in English. He's the, making a rub. Rub, rub, there, yeah. Yep. And um, I filmed it, and but suddenly this buck come, came in um, when we were talking, and and Thomas, he yeah. turned on the, the, the camera, and we were filming it, and uh, and I tried to stop it. It is a... But it wouldn't not stop. So <laughs> suddenly, so so in the last second, Thomas he said, "Wow, wow!" I just wanted it to happen because my camera was on it. Yeah, you so had I didn't up. want it to yeah. pass. Yeah. Yep. So it stopped, and um, and uh, for the first time, I fired the seven millimeter PRC. So um, and uh, the hit was good, and it ran thirty meters and roll and dead. Yeah, yeah, yep. another yeah. perfect heart shot yeah, too. Yeah. The, yeah, the top of the heart. Took the top, yeah. Yeah, took the top of the heart. So that was a... And that was cool. I got a, I, I traced the blood trail back on that one, and that was kind of fun to do. Because growing up being an archery hunter, I, lo- I love blood trailing. I don't know why. Sure, I also do. I, I, always, I always try to find that first. Yeah. I know it's lying there, yep. but I like to find and Me see too. how the bullet and what came out. To, and if you if you hunt in thick bush and so on, mm-hmm. it is very nice to see it. The color of the blood, the hair, and so on, yep. and see follow. I always do that. I I love it. I learned it in Africa from some yep. bushmen, and and try to do the same way they do. So, yep. uh, so I don't know if I ever told you this while we were hunting, but um, back in the day when I was an up and comer, we used to have to physically go to a class for hunters' education and bow hunters' education. Yeah. And in the bow hunters' education class back then, you had they made a mock blood trail. Yeah, and they could be as tricky as they wanted to be, and we had to follow it. They would oh, they would double back and and do zigzags and all these things, and you, they'd lose it for a while, and you had to circle around and find it again. It was exactly yeah. So that, that started my love of blood trailing. Yeah, that's what that, that we actually do with dog in 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 Denmark. We have a a system of a register of of maybe two hundred dogs or something. Um, that you can call if you have mm-hmm. wounded, and they are spread all over Denmark. So you can call the man who owns the dog, and he come with the dog and follow. And he sure. have to ha- do the same oh, with his cool. dog. But it can be one kilometer, as a one thousand or more meter, I think, and twenty four hours old. And the dog have to follow the the, the track to Dang. be. There's some special rules. I don't know exactly, but uh, they have to be very good. So That's it's cool. always nice. So, yeah. yeah. That they is. do that in Iowa and Wisconsin. I think there's a group of, there's like associations of them. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's very cool. But your buck, just your typical four by four American stag almost. You'd yeah. Call it. Just a beautiful looking, mm. healthy, mm. 
four by four buck there's nothing more Her neck almost as big as his body you know? yeah I mean, well this time of year cruising. they have that yeah, yeah i was just surprised over the uh, the size of the body yeah as of when you come up to it it's when you see it on a distant hundred meter or or 200 meters, it looks, oh, okay, it's, uh, yeah. but when you come up to it, it looks really big. It's a big body. Yeah, corn-fed. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. They look, like, like they don't, they don't uh, need more, uh, what you say, they, they have food enough. Yeah. <laughs> Plenty around here. Yeah, well, the, and the, the farmers that grow the crops would probably <laughs> yeah. Agree, yeah. agree. They don't need any more food. They're <laughs> well, getting, they're yeah. getting plenty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that blood trailing deal, that is, that is neat to, to think about that, to trail it backwards, because we typically are looking for them. Um, but it's a perishable skill, just like many other skills. Hmm. And if you don't stay sharp on it and and keep it top of mind, it can quickly go to the wayside. Mm-hmm. And not yeah. every hunt goes as easy as there he is right, right uh, there. Nope. Yeah, so that's uh, that's interesting. And so, uh, Jens, your buck was the last one killed in camp. We raced to get to the prime rib dinner, mm-hmm. and uh, that that really concluded uh, our rifle season. Uh, that was on Saturday night. We had Sunday to hunt if we if we were unsuccessful. Um, but uh, that was, like I said, just a great trip, and then it allowed us plenty of time to uh, get back here into Grand Island, which is a couple hours away. Uh, Preston could prepare your uh, your skulls and antlers. And then you got to go see the Hornady Manufacturing Facility and see how we do things and, and what we're doing. And, and you get to see some of the people that are doing the stuff. So if you wouldn't mind, share each of your perspective on Hornady as a company. And maybe if that aligned with what you previously thought of us, uh, you know, once you get to see behind the curtain and you see the engineering staff and you meet some of the people, uh, what was your thoughts on the, on the tour of, of our facility? We meet some very engaged people in the factory, I think. And wh- wherever you come in that factory, you can have a talk about hunting or shooting mm-hmm. with all the staff. Yep. And it was, and then to see all the hard work that is done first in the engineering, and you go through the big, big, uh, how technical it is to make that bullet. Sure. It seemed so easy, I would say. It looks easy, but mm-hmm. but it is hard. It's yeah. not what you see. It's all the time behind it, yeah. the well, development. You, and when you stand in front of a bullet press that's yeah. running, it is a it's a sewing machine. Yeah. And if it's out of time a little bit, it's going to be a big problem. Yeah. And it's it looks simple when it's just going up and down, but like you mentioned, there is a lot that goes into getting it to go up and down. Yeah. So it was. I think it was a great experience to come around. Yeah. See how you do everything yourself here, and. And a very f- a f- a flat uh, organization, you know. You know, everybody is uh, like you. There's no, uh, you know, go to the first floor if you want to speak to the director. Every every oh, sure. to each other. Everybody and can talk to everybody. Everybody can talk to each other and uh, and 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 say hello and doing. It's it's very very nice and and, and I like that you. A lot of you or all of you are hunters or shooters. That is mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that's amazing to see in in this industry and. And and you 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 feel that when you come, you yeah. have trophy on the wall. You are proud of your company. You are proud of trophy hunting. You are proud of uh, all kind of hunting, and 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 and, and I think that's uh, that's the thing. In other companies in Europe, they they're a little bit afraid of oh trophy or something that uh, mm-hmm. um, 
if if we speak, if, if we use the name trophy, oh no no, we only hunt for meat. As we we, so so that's very nice to see our uh, that you have all the aspects sure. uh, and don't keep something away or. Then in, in the end, when we come to the hall, with all the people sitting on the line with all the cartridges, and they just take ten at the time and yeah. look. Oh, the inspection. In their hand inspection. Of all every bullet or every cartridge is inspected personally. That yeah, I had not just expected that but that's yeah. amazing yeah yeah and, and to your and to your point Jens, like that's something jason and steve want and that's what they want to set up they want everybody to be able to talk to everybody they do want a flat company they're just some of the people like we are and we're yeah. all passionate users and that's why we make the products that we do yeah. i mean we've harped on it a million times on this podcast but yeah. that is what drives our company yeah is that we are users yeah and their their personality goes all the way through the company mm-hmm. all the way out to the machines and people in the company you can feel it yep yeah percent. Uh, you can come in a company in and where there's a big difference between and they never they don't even know who is the director <laughs> of the company as yeah. they're just standing with a machine it's not the way here no well, and and to speak of of you know your your trophy and only hunting for yep. meat Well, and you can say harvest, but let's put it like it is. A kill is a kill. Mm. And and in my opinion, my opinion alone here, nobody mm-hmm. else's, maybe somebody else's, but a kill is has three trophies. The trophy itself, the meat, and then the experience. Exactly. And all three of them are A-OK yeah. to want. Yes. And the trophy, keep the experience on your wall. Exactly. Yeah. For me. It, That's you a, remember the I experience. remember that deer. You look at For that the rest deer of and then you remember the rest of my hunt. life. Yes. Yep. That's yeah. That is a great way to Gosh put it. Darn it! It feels and good. It does feel good, and, it, <laughs> yeah. and when it's something that we've taken for granted our whole lives, hunting whitetail deer on the river, um, something as quote unquote simple as that. There's all three aspects of trophy in there, and whether you're in Steve Hornady's office like we were this morning, or you're out on our bullet presses and or down in our ballistics lab, and there's people testing bullets for accuracy. Doesn't matter where you're at in the company. Um, everybody's excited about what we're doing here and that is i think it's clearly transparent uh as the, as clearly transparent as clearly, that would be yeah uh but it really is i won't even edit that one out you don't have to uh <laughs> but i mean it though that you have you got gentlemen that come here from yeah. denmark and have never been inside our four walls and as soon as they get in here and they I start to it. meet these people you can see it you can feel it and it's yep. a tangible feeling and that's just that's just plain cool yep yep and that a lot of that Like Thomas mentioned here a few minutes ago, we hand inspect our ammunition, and I think that is a it's pretty symbolic of of we're passionate users. We want you to use our product, and when you open it up, we want you to go, oh yeah, that's 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 the Hornady ammo, and you can tell because human eyes laid eyes on this product and went, okay, this one looked perfect. That one goes in the box, and if there's an imperfection, we pull it out, and we could save money and time by not doing that and you know there's probably people that wish we would you know yeah but that's that's not what we're about that quality um that dependability of knowing this thing is is perfect that's something we want to hang our hat on yeah it's heartwarming i don't mean to be sappy but what you said there it's heartwarming to hear that that people from around the country can come here and instantly see that they yeah i'm i'm not speaking I don't want to speak for you, put words in your mouth, but also yeah. that thing that you can call have to, if you have a Christian, mm-hmm. you have that uh, ten people working there taking the phone, and if you have problem with uh, what what caliber do I do you 
do you recommend for this or if you're reloading on you can you can call you uh, call the company and you uh, you give them that advice and that is also fantastic more and more i think in in big companies you can wait half an hour and yeah. maybe get a computer that send you to one voice to another voice but here it's yep. it's, it's amazing yeah service service that is uh, really really nice we f- felt that immediately when we came to the to the airport yeah, and just, uh, yeah um uh, Omaha, the service was so nice as a compared to what we they, used. They to. had to tell us it was delayed. They had to tell us the luggage was gone, and still, the American. Uh, the I hope it's like that all the way in America because it was just a good. We we couldn't get mad on nope. these guys because they did a service with a smile. They told yeah. us we you will come six hours, five hours later, mm-hmm. and they smiled. Which wasn't yeah. true. And, <laughs> 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 uh, but it, they felt good about it. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Hopefully, yeah, that's... Uh, so it's also about... Yeah, I mean... Hornady Horn- Horn- is also a kind of American symbol, you know, yeah. somehow, Qu- yeah. you could say. That yeah. makes me feel pretty good. It's good to hear. Yeah. That yeah. is, because again, we're just just small family-owned company here yeah. out on the prairie. And to know that we're having a global impact on on people's... We talked about this earlier uh, in my office. Largely, Hornady is fun. And that's what Jason and Steve like to remind people or remind our employees. We're fun. Shooting is fun. Hunting is fun. Mm -hmm. Now, we make defense ammo and law enforcement ammo, and we have some military stuff. And that's serious, and we take it very seriously. But largely, we're selling fun, and we want you to have fun. And uh, we're going to have fun while we're making it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you guys. Obviously, I appreciate you guys coming from Denmark to to hang out with us, to see our facility, to hunt with us. And I'm glad Preston and I could help you get on your your uh, Nebraska whitetail bucks because mm-hmm. that was was great to be a part of. Thank you. It thank was. You well. Thank you very much for your hospitality mm-hmm. and good spirit and a little bit of sarcasm. Yeah, <laughs> maybe nice. a lot of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Preston, is there anything you want to get captured while we're recording? Um, well, I just want to thank these guys for coming across the globe to come see us, come shoot uh, a beautiful uh, Nebraska whitetail and see what we're all about. The pleasure, pleasure is ours. Yeah, it has been a great experience. Thank you. Well, we yeah. wish you safe travels back. Hopefully uh, your luggage follows you back better <laughs> than it followed you here. Yeah, well, we've got phone confirmation. Their luggage will be waiting for them at the airport, uh, well, which is really convenient. Hopefully it flies yeah. with a plane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, everybody out there in podcast land, thanks for listening in on this one. We hope you enjoyed this recap of some international hunters coming to Nebraska, coming here to the Midwest to hunt whitetail deer on the Great Plains. We certainly had a good time with them, and we will catch you guys on the next one.